Hey everyone, welcome back to the Positively Jacked podcast, a podcast where we dish real-time strategies on the nutrition, fitness, wellness, and lifestyle trends to prioritize positive psychological habits and best practices in your life. I'm Jess Kohler and Nate Baycott is off working. As we alluded to in our last episode, this was a test podcast we recorded this past summer around the time of the CrossFit Games. To say that uh, we were positively jacked about the programming, the culture, and the athletes would be an understatement. We just dived right into that conversation. Uh, but we really do cover an important topic to both of us here, and that's the coach and client relationship. We are going to talk about how to evaluate gyms and coaches as you're thinking about starting that relationship, and we hope you find a lot of value in it. So let's get right to it. So like this year, you've got ESPN coverage coming back. So you literally have people talking about it in bars. You have on top of that, you have the ESPN showing the main highlights of the strength event, male and female. So like yeah. people who've never seen CrossFit are seeing these males and females lift these ridiculous weights after three days of competition. And then you have Don, the new CEO, going very lead from the front kind of thing like he is being totally transparent he's like guys we want to showcase more but we have to make financial decisions for big yeah. picture big future and he's being so honest about it and it's like that's that's the kind of thing you need for this to grow is like you can't be mad at the guy like yes we didn't get to showcase the adaptive or masters as well as we would like to but that's yeah. our hope with more and it's like, oh, okay. Like you gotta be comfortable with that. There's nothing, what, what else would you try to do? Yeah, I think, I think we have a community of a certain type of people that you want it to be perfect all the time. And I think there's definitely that contingent of audience right now backed by certain forms of media, certain personalities online that are quick to criticize every single thing. And I think what I love about Don Paul so far is he's, like you said, leading from the front and he's not afraid to hurt people's feelings and, and take people along the journey by showing you where he's going. Yeah. And, and he's a very, he's somebody you can put out in front of people. Mm -hmm. And he can win hearts and minds. He can tell a great story. And that's that's really, you know, in my mind, what a great leader is. And and I think Glassman was more of the, the subject matter expert. Brilliant yep. man, very kind, always engaging to meet. But I think he didn't have that. It's the, it's the, it, it goes with the scale to which this has grown. Yeah. And like, you've got to have that person leading with, all the honesty and humbleness and humility you can because otherwise people aren't going to follow it they feel like there's like a there's like a, disin, a disingenuous thing going on when it's not shared completely openly and honestly when everybody in the community thus far feels like they have they have a, some small part or some small voice in it to where they can contribute because it is community driven mm -hmm. and i think that's what i saw coolest from don was at semis he knows it's community driven. And so yeah. he's out there in the community all the time, getting feedback, putting it into play, 
listening to people who have either been around as long, if not longer. And he's just, he's like, he's like the right answers could come from anywhere. He's totally open to it, but he knows the big picture is to get to 30 million affiliates before 2030, I think. And you know, or I'm sorry, not 30 million affiliates, 30 million people doing CrossFit. Good God. Could you imagine? <laughs> Two people for every affiliate. Jeez. Everybody has an affiliate. Put Nobody every needs Globo any gym money. out of business. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I definitely, I just, I, I really like him so far. And I think I like somebody who their, their immediate stance isn't defensive or abrasive or to disenfranchise, discredit, or shut off any segment of the audience. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a place to give feedback. Yep. And he sees the vision for CrossFit as being diverse. So and and as a as a woman and somebody who's worked with all populations, I, I find that to be refreshing. Because that's what I was worried about when um the other guy stepped back and and went rosa yeah thank you when rosa went mm -hmm. it was like we needed we needed somebody who had the piece that he was trying to bring in but could also appeal to the the more traditional older long-term audience as well who could bridge both right it's a hard 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 balance with a community-driven model as we are yep like, yep you gotta you got to be able to take those those hard conversation topics, those times where you know that your answer is not going to be liked, but it's at least going to be respected because you're trying to be as transparent as possible about where you're trying to go. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. so we're back. We're back. Fun weekend. Fun weekend. <laughs> it's like a whole separate several episodes probably. Of probably walking through games history what we thought oh not only history i mean you could spend several episodes just walking through this this games mm -hmm. so and then like or, you know watching you're like well i haven't seen this person or where was this person or what's up with this person and wow this person uh, came out of nowhere and programming differences crazy enough i didn't realize till today that they never swam oh yeah right like there was the the crazy thing was there's so many good tests and like it was actually relatively well balanced and that everybody was enthralled and then you got to like later points of the weekend you're like wait a minute we haven't swum yet like i'd realized this morning they had not used a jump rope once and i'm just like my god like this is that's how you know the variance is there but everybody's happy about it because everybody's enthralled with the activity and it just doesn't even pay attention to so many other things that seem like normal to have at the games now, but there, it's, there is no normal. <laughs> I wonder what the reason was, other than maybe the water was too warm. I know there was concern about bacteria last year. We have a mutual insider intel that told me um, no permits were pulled at any point or anything like that. And I know they had to switch up in calendar schedule. So I wonder if it's something that has to do with that, where you had to do some filing and some, you know what I mean? Like just the logistics of renting out like waterways or water areas to make a successful event and get spectators near it and stuff. Since the change of location was seemingly close proximity to the date, I could see that being a big reason. You know, yeah. go with the avenues and the venues you know, 
you might not have paperwork in time enough, but at least let's have a last solid showcasing at Madison. Yeah. Any predictions on where we're going to go next year for the the off year or the one the one off year as we're calling it? I think in the girls group. <laughs> I, I have two theories. One is that they're going to go somewhere in the U.S. They have not been before region wise, so that opens up south, which is like Texas and stuff like that, and then northeast. Ooh, that'd be brutal. It would be, but you know, Northern and mid Texas, like it gets hot, but no hotter than like Carson was some of those years with yeah. that desert and the ranch. I think Northeast is a possibility. I honestly think because the business side of things and making sure the finances make sense and the growth of the sport, I would be very surprised if they weren't looking for the most advantageous location state regulations wise with income and with payout and running an event like i could see them looking for that balance of if athletes make income here or if you know they host an event here there's certain benefits right yeah. i feel like there's that's you know beyond my scope but i could totally see that playing into it seeing as this is probably the most forward thinking of the financial picture to get it keep growing and and getting out of the red and making sure everybody gets showcased and and stuff like that. But to that, I, that's that's where my guesstimation ends because I don't know how it how it varies that much. It'd be cool to do East Central or Northeast. I could see a lot of fun stuff happening if you brought it to the Northeast. Yep, bring it to the not, East Coast in general. Bias because I'm already here, but. Just saying, Charlotte is amazing, and it has a lake. <laughs> yep. Some people speculated Europe, but I bet I don't think it's far enough along for Europe because TV viewership, the main main uh, drive of it, is still U.S. based. Yeah, it's it's at the very least six hours ahead. Yeah, so you have the, to okay. really. Yep. Which I mean, they could, and you have to consider shipping equipment. I think Rogue has a location in Europe, but. It would still be a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. They have all of that stuff just stored away every year, ready for it. Yeah, so. it was cool when they were doing regionals over mm -hmm. in Ohio because, like, so many people just like went over to Rogue and. Well, they're gonna have the Rogue cool. Invitational too. You know, they still got plenty of competitions coming this year. Yeah. Around. I could see Austin. Austin would be a fun place, but that would be hot. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll nix altitude because they, they don't want people to have that for an excuse, I don't think. Yeah. So, and oh, then curveball, they could just bring it right back to California. Yeah, they could. Uh, somebody said, or somebody joked about it being in D.C. Because isn't HQ still technically a D.C.-based company now? Or are they Boulder-based company now? I I thought they were still Boulder-based. I thought they were. I, no. I can't remember who said that, but I, I thought, thought they, I thought with Rosa, they had officially moved headquarters from California to Colorado and I hadn't heard any updates since. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to ask any of my one, two, three people that work for HQ. <laughs> so I have to ask my, my insiders who I'm not going to bother until, you know, at least another week. Cause they just went through a week of insanity. I mean, I work for a certain company who also, sales yeah. products so it would cut this off the recording be in their their customer file <laughs> <laughs> oh man but as, as much as we could talk about the games and all of this stuff 
uh, that's not our main topic of conversation today. No, I think I think with all the coverage on ESPN and like you and Ian were talking about, hopefully we're mm -hmm. looking at another, you know, wave of new people discovering CrossFit and the benefits for the 99% of us. Yep. And maybe you have traversed to CrossFit.com and the affiliate map to find an affiliate near you. That's the hope. That's the, the trickle down is um, before you do that, or if, if you haven't done that yet, and the reason that you haven't done that uh, is because everybody on ESPN is ridiculously fit and intense and somewhat intimidating. Please keep in mind, those are the professionals of a sport, not the, as Jess mentioned, the 99.999% of people who are in the gyms. There are some fire breathers, some very intense individuals at boxes, but for the most part, if you can see the commercials that they've had and the ads and stuff like that on the in-between of the events, that's what showcased what you'll get at some CrossFit boxes. Like um, what I would hope is the majority of CrossFit boxes. But that's actually our subject matter today is how to vet the box or the coach that you are going to try to start working with with all this newfound motivation. Yeah. So as a reminder, we are positively jacked. Yes. We are Nate Baycott and Jessica Kohler. Yes. And we love to dish real-time strategies on the nutrition, fitness, wellness, and lifestyle trends. And we also love positive psych habits yes, and best practices. Do. Yes, we do. Always positive. <laughs> and just so we're clear, positive doesn't mean ignoring the negative. Positive means you can either find the win or you can find the lesson in progressing forward with stuff. Yep. Yep. It's all about the equanimity over time. Mm -hmm. Great word. Great word usage, Jess. God. I know. I need to read more. Um, so what Jerry Colonna, man. <laughs> Jerry Colonna. What it looks like to talk to a coach, things you could or should expect, what to look for and what we would consider a good coach or an effective coach and possible red flags. This is, you know, for the most part, especially since like early 2000s, we've seen just this plethora of coaching, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, personalities, and, and ways to train blossoming. And they're just all over. You type in hashtag fit on your Instagram explore, and it brings up any number of specialties or certifications or personalities and stuff like that. And as with a lot of things right now, like the information is, we have the information at our fingertips. It doesn't mean we're ready or able right now to make the most informed decision possible. Like we're almost petrified because there's so much information out there. So I've been a coach for a very long time. I start, I mean, I, I started coaching in high school realistically. And then every year after that, just more coaching, more personal training. I actually got a, a Facebook events reminder or memories reminder that uh, 2008, last week, was when I first took my CrossFit level one wow. at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Pat Sherwood was my flow master. Oh, my gosh. And we did it at the basketball court on Fort Leavenworth's, like, military base. <laughs> and I can't even imagine. <laughs> it was – and I still have the uh, – I still have the games shirt – that they brought us because they didn't have level one, level two shirts or anything like that. They just brought you stuff from crossfitshirts.com and they had just finished 
the games. And so everybody got the cheap, <laughs> big old shirt that everybody got. And that's what you got. That's it. That was your, that and a beer was your a box of overflow shirts. It really beer. was. It was so grassroots. So that's where my experience comes from alongside, you know, my master's degree was in positive psychology and positive coaching, been doing CrossFit and either owning, running, or managing CrossFit boxes since 2009, 2010. So that's where my perspective comes in when what to look for in a coach, what to look for in a box. Cause I've been fortunate enough to see really great ones, really amazing ones, life-changing ones. And I've also been a part of a few that have fallen short or, you know, have, have unfortunately done more negative ripple effect than positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I only started coaching in 2013. Obviously, you were a big part of that. And before that, you know, I think I leaned heavily on my master's degree. I have a master's degree in learning systems design and development, which is essentially curriculum design, a lot of cognitive science. And so thinking through fitness, thinking through what that should look like as far as an educational experience always weighs heavily on my mind when I look at coaches and I evaluate gyms and whether or not they're a good fit for people. Yeah. So we could be wrong, but we probably have some decent tidbits for people to, to be able to take, take with them. And that's the whole part, purpose of real-time strategy. But so the biggest thing I'd like to point out when you're looking for a coach, a gym, or anything like that is to not be fooled by the persona that you're identifying with the potential vehicle for change. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to get overwhelmed in seeing someone like an athlete from the games, like a personality on Instagram and stuff like that, where you're like, oh my God, their body, their content, all this other stuff, like, wow, I wanna do that. I wanna look like that. Yep. It's easy to get caught up in that, but also remember that that person is could not be further different from you just in general, genetically, fitness exposure, sports exposure, all this other stuff. And likely that individual had at least one or two coaches, nutrition coaches, something like that along the way to get to where they were. So that's an almost an unfair comparison or, or launch pad, if you will. So my biggest start point for anybody is to that, that proximity, Proximity is one of the biggest things right now because I'm always a firm believer. I love working remote coaching with people, but it's not the same if it's your startup. Like you need eyes on you. You need in the moment correction. You need care on site in the same session to where you feel like you can progress and dialogue in real time. Otherwise, it's a very lonely feeling. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think also it's somebody to drive consistency mm -hmm. and, and drive that behavioral change. I know for me, going to a regular gym never worked. Not only did I not have eyes on me, not only was somebody not correcting my movement or teaching me movements that would have helped, um, they, there was just nobody there for that accountability piece. There was mm -hmm. nobody there for that push. Right, yeah. And so that's the what is a, a big thing to remember is that in starting nutrition training or anything like this, where you're looking to make that effective change on nutrition and fitness, is that it's someone there, it's someone to dialogue with, it's someone who's going to be present. And in that, they might not have the biggest social media following, they might not have all this showcased stuff. I'd say a really simple way to be able to vet between the two is look at the people or the consistency of whom they've worked with. So 
Yep. Google reviews, testimonials on a website, stuff like that. Look for authentic connection. Authentic. I started here. The catalyst was this box or this gym or this individual. And because of that, I got better in this time. And if you can do that while you're looking, it's going to simplify and make a lot of these other ones bleed away. Cause the, you know, you can get a, a really absorbed into some of the incredible content pieces people can put together, but it also takes away from the fact that they might not have seen or developed someone through one or many goals over a period of time. It just me might mean that they're really good with TikTok and social media stuff and making things look pretty. I think, I think to that end too, and I, I know we touched on it in our first episode, it's also that the idea of the diversity of people they've worked with and diversity of starting points and types of goals, like you said, a lot of times I think you get those personalities, those heavily marketed influencers, if you will, who it's look at me, I'm obviously, obviously successful. This is how I did it. And we're going to do it my way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that can't work. But I think it goes to the piece of, well, what do you want the day-to-day -to, -day to be like and how long do you want it to work? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, yep. And the day-to-day -day is something that when we do you know, nutrition, fitness, anything consultation or no sweat wise, uh, we immediately ask just, what's your day like? Like what responsibilities do you have? And this kind of goes to one of the next points of if and when you reach out, uh, you find somebody, you know, this, that might not be your first meeting. It might not be, you know, second or third, but important questions and areas to cover with a new coach is them getting to know your lifestyle, getting to know the hurdles yep. that you have. Are you a parent? Do you work so many hours a week? Um, more often than not a really effective coach, you almost learn nothing about them in your interaction because they are focused 100% on understanding you because that's their goal is to understand not only where you're coming from and where you're at as soon as you set that meeting, but also whether or not, and this is a, this is a tough one to, to navigate, but whether or not you and that coach are a good fit. Yep. A lot of coaches are just, you know, maybe they're excited. Maybe they need to work with more clients for one reason or the other, but a lot of them will just take on client after client, whether or not, the 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 mixture is right and that's yep. a really big thing to look for is someone who barely you know listens in general to the details but almost no matter what the answer is they're just like yep i got that oh we're good we're good yeah you know it's it's like it's easy to say yes in the initial details but make sure that you're heard make sure that the things you want to work on or or the fears you may have about working on stuff are heard and authentically listened to because a lot of coaches will just get you pumped up, get you energy, get you signed on. And then four to six weeks later, the communication window has just dropped so substantially. Yep. Uh, always uh, beware of the coaches who are advertising with the, I have 10 spots open. I am seeking 15 ladies in Columbia, Missouri to, you know. <laughs> well, it's, and there's, there's a place for that. Like I, I have a, you know, I have some friends who are like, I'm looking for five males at 35, like who don't have control of these things. So it's, you know, it's them casting the net for an avatar, but we're not going from the way we want to work with people. We're going from the way you want to find somebody to work with. Yep. 
right? So it's, you know, don't be, don't be baited too easily. This is your journey. This is your time, your money, your investment to yourself. And you should really take that due diligence and that responsibility to heart. Because if you get caught up in stuff and, you know, two month or two down the road, you're like, this is not at all what I'm going for. Like it's a lesson learned, but it's also one of those things where it can be prevented. I'm not saying this is a perfect formula, but it can be prevented that you can, you wouldn't be wasting time. Okay. So what we've covered so far is obviously have a gym that is mm -hmm. doing intros, non-fitness intros. They're not throwing you in a big trial week. They're not just throwing you in the mix with no guidance. They're having a sit down conversation with you where you are meeting one-to-one -one with a coach and they are doing a lot of listening and a lot of information gathering, a lot of stakeholder analysis. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And then from there, I would say try if you have the avail availability or the ability to diversify your meetings. You might have a good meeting with the first coach you meet, and that's awesome. That's really lucky. But still, give yourself that respect. Give you give your charter that respect, and interview a few of them because it could just make that one coach look even better and better once you get an idea of who's all out there. It could also make your decision really tough if you talk to three coaches who seem. Like they all, you know, hit 10 out of 10 on the check marks. And then you have a tough, but like pretty rewarding decision that if it doesn't work with so-and-so that I did it with two or three months, I have these other two to three coaches who I, you know, possibly could have worked with in the first place, but at least I know that they're authentic and that they kind of fit and work with me. So yep. that's a big thing is make sure you're not too quick to sign on, right? Yep. Make sure it fits from the get-go. You'll feel so much better about not only committing the time, committing the money, but also the plan. I'm a huge believer that belief in the plan or belief in the, the training and stuff like that will breed 10, 20, 30% better results because you are just committed so much more. It makes so much more sense when you implement it. Sure. I agree with that entirely. So you, you've said, you know, somebody who's interested in your charter, getting to know you, what are some messages from coaches that you would say are like red flags? Um, like they could be the nicest person in the world. They could listen to everything you say. Um, they could, you know, you, you could be ready to sign on with them at the end of the meeting, but like, what are some things that they could say where you'd be like, Ooh, red my, flags. my biggest one is anything that's judgment because we're in a nutrition and fitness space where there are a lot of answers that have worked or not worked with a lot of different people. Absolutely. And so any coach that I think is worth the time will be way more curious and investigative about things that you have done as opposed to judgmental. So point in case, if I have a client come across me and I'm just like, okay, you know, we'll bring you in all this other stuff. And then we get to the conversation of like, well, what have you done? Like what fitness is your experience? What have you done nutrition wise? And you'll have people who are like, you know, I did the zone for a little while, or I did keto for a little while, or uh, I did um, orange theory or something like that. And my goal, look, I've been a CrossFit coach, a weightlifting coach, strength and conditioning coach. I've done all these different things. My goal is that whenever anybody brings their docket of past experiences to me is to, first of all, congratulate them on the fact that they even had something. So a lot of people get to that point that don't. And 
point out that they have made a, a discernible ch choice and change in what their charter was. Those things didn't work. And I'm not judging them because they didn't work. I, I want to know why they didn't work. Why didn't Orange Theory work? What, what did you feel was different about Zone versus Keto or whatever? I need to know what worked, what didn't work, what turned them away, because those are answers to stylistically, like if we're going to match up or not. They're also answers into areas that they might have some issues with, right? Zone, way too, or uh, uh, keto, way too restrictive. I felt FOMO all the time. And then I'd go out on the weekends and then I'd eat all the time. So right there, I know that too restrictive is a red flag. I know that uh, FOMO of, of food and not missing out on experiences is a red flag. But I also know that their weekends are trouble. So I've just gotten this huge piece of information just by asking a little bit more questions. Whereas they came in and said, oh yeah, I've done keto. And my first answer was, oof, too many people trying keto. Like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it, it's, it's so silly when people do that. Like you shouldn't have gone to that. Like it's immediately a shut off to what this person's journey was. And that's just a disrespect to them. Yeah. Plus you just shut the door on learning about them completely. Right. Because like, now, now they're going to feel judged and they're not going to, they're not going to, not only offer up more information about those areas, but they're going to think carefully before they say anything else about anything you ask them. Yeah, absolutely. And they will filter it through a dishonest lens and inevitably will not get the results or prescription or advice that they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no, there's not strange, there's not wrong, there's not any of that. It's different. It's different. That's all it is. It's different. Learn about why it was different. Learn about that so you can learn how your approach can be different and then work together. But that judgment one is a huge red flag for me. If any time a coach almost sounds like your past experience is a personal thing to them where they have like made it an enemy, that makes no sense. Coaches are, you know, you're supposed to be a teacher. You're supposed to be as understanding as possible when somebody comes across your door. Yep, absolutely. Any other Whatever. red flags? Uh, I think, I think I, you know, we kind of alluded to it, it earlier. If it's like they've got one, they've got one roadmap ready to assign to you. Like mm -hmm. one way is the best way. It doesn't way. matter. It doesn't matter who walks in the door. They are getting macros and, and CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the biggest misconception I think a lot of people have about CrossFit is that it has to only look one way and that it has only one way to execute it mm -hmm. so let's demystify that right away <laughs> which ironically if you look at even at the games masters adaptive like those two categories in general already show you that oh yeah you've got like this high level of fitness but we also have the capability of if you like you can't you, you can't have this one one track route and then somebody who's a wheelchair athlete comes in yeah. It's like you, that has to fluctuate. So like it needs to meet you where you're at. There is no, it's not a straight line. No, and never. however passionate that coach feels that it's a straight line, it's not. You yep. got to be ready to roll with, okay, we've done two months of macros. How's it going? I hate my life. I'm done with chicken and rice. Like how many times have we heard that from somebody? Cause it's the easiest thing to control yep. or doing CrossFit and just jumping right in, not even a test out, not even foundations. And then a month in, they're like, oh, it, it, it hurt me. It messed up my shoulders. Like, well, yeah, if you if you just dive straight in with no instruction, no guidance, no, you know, mitigating the risk and building over a progression. Yeah. yeah. 
you're just setting up for a bad experience there. It's it always it always fascinates me when a coach beds down on one way is the way. Yeah, I think a lot, you know, I think like any field, you have people that come into it and um just don't have the diverse experience um and then have success one way and weren't able to really ever diversify. I think I think it has a lot to do with fear of failure or fear of looking like they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think we've ever had that. I think I'm 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 willing to be the new kid in any room or any space of knowledge if it means learning another way to help people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of my favorite things that we learned over our last nutrition challenge was how to diversify vegan protein sources from one of our athletes. It was amazing. I have three or four people I work with that are either vegan, vegetarian, plant-based, stuff like that. And that lesson alone from one of our members has extended into my knowledge base to working with people. Well, and it's not only knowledge you can take to your 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 vegan vegetarian friends. It's also lessons you can take to you know people with heart conditions, people with heart history who have to put more vegetables into their diet mm-hmm. to try to keep those numbers where they should be. Yeah, yeah. The last red flag. Well, it's not even the last one, but it's one of the ones that I think um, I'll, I'll I'll dub it the too good to be true kind of thing is when a coach gives you definitive, relatively short-term promises of things being achieved. Yes. Yes. Because- Or that this is all gonna happen fast. This, you, right. Uh, and in, in, in general, definitive answers. A coach yep. that says you will get, or I, like we will see, or something like that, it's like, you have no clue. Like I'm letting you guys know right now, coaches are very informed depending on who you go to. We read research. We have, you know, possibly hundreds, if not thousands of former clients and stuff like that. None of them was exactly the same. So anybody who promises you, you'll lose X amount of weight in three months. You'll be able to do a bar muscle up in six months, yada, yada, yada. Anybody who promises you is full of it because your journey could they could try everything in the book that they know how to do out of their one track mind. And if it doesn't work, they're going to turn the blame away from them and onto you. And I've seen that happen way too often where they're just like, well, how, how serious are you? You're just not committing. Like I need to, I need you to be fully committed. Like you got to lose that. No, it's not lose the fear. It's not, you know, this thing you're literally learning a process. So if it's not working, it's failing from the instructional side. It's not failing from your effort side. The effort can be cultivated if it's done, if it's gone about in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that goes back to our point in our first episode too, that it should be slow. It should be taken and evaluated periodically, not promised from the beginning, not given a timetable. I think we see so many people and, and people, I get it. You you get to a point where you want to change your life. And like Billy Crystal says, and when Harry met Sally, you want that to start as soon as possible. I get it. Yeah. But I'm not afraid to be honest with you and pos- not hurt your feelings, but deliver that news that like, oh, it's not going to happen fast. If it means that I'm developing an honest relationship with you. Yeah. And, and just because. Way. Yeah. And just because what you had in mind isn't going to happen fast does not mean that you will not have significant benchmarks 
along the way. Yep. And that might be the perfect thing to look for in a good coach as opposed to a bad coach with this red flag is, hey, we might not be able to get you exactly what you're saying right now in the time frame you're saying. But the plan I see is that we start with this. Once this becomes kind of consistent, measurable, then we move to this. And then once this becomes kind of consistent and measurable and so on and so forth. And what that means is that coach is not only considering the big picture, but they're also considering ways and reasons to give you victories along the way to keep your momentum going. That is one of the biggest things that I would say uh, incredible coaches do is that it is a constant communication window of the good, the bad, the ugly, the learning opportunities, but celebrating that like it's not a clean linear regression we've already talked about that but like knowing that oh, i want to lose you know 30 pounds before the end of the year it's like hey i love that that's a goal for you but we need to address these habits these things that you have in your life that kind of kind of make that a bigger ask and then in two to four weeks if we can get these things knocked down we're going to check the scale and we're going to see how it affected it if it goes down, we've, we've, we've set some new habits and then we're going to try some more. And every time that gets illustrated out, you gain wind. But if I'm just like, oh yeah, three months, you're going to lose 50 pounds, no problem. And then sign off. Every time you come into the gym or every time that scale doesn't move, it is like a parachute opening up to pull you back because you just don't see it anymore. If anything, yep. you feel more disconnected from it. Yep. And I think that goes with people who make not only you know are willing to entertain goals that they know aren't realistic as a coach but they immediately put you on the path to failure by a telling you that it's possible and b putting you on an extreme plan mm -hmm. that you won't be able to adhere to and then reinforcing it with well if you really want this if you're really committed to it you're going to give up all the rest of your life yeah. like, <laughs> your your goals aren't being given the proper respect by you unless you you do these things that are impossible to sustain. You put your family on the back burner, you put your life on the back burner and, and you make your life miserable. I think, I think a point you said earlier was just these non-scale victories that we keep accumulating as we change habits and we do things gradually so that when we check in, we're considering all the factors of your life. Mm -hmm that yeah. build your success and are part of your success, your family, your friends, you're being able to see them on the weekends. Like all of those things are actually part of your success, not a threat to it. Right. And anybody who tells you differently or gives you messages that this has to be some kind of hero's journey to Mordor of fitness, like, no, just walk out right now. Right. No. And it's, it's, it's don't focus on what was that one time. Like that's the story of the extremes instead of what is and what can sustain or what still can be yep. because, you know, I'm not going to name names or call any of these certain challenges out, but there's a lot of over promise under deliver. And there's a lot of, okay, you, you spent the last X amount of time doing these things and yeah, you're fit, but also, you've sacrificed friendships, you've sacrificed, you know, home cleaning, you've sacrificed time with your family, you've sacrificed so much in that big picture. And it doesn't need to be, a, I, I cut these things away. It's integration, yep. it's smooth, it's synergy. 
That's what you want to hope for with health and fitness and wellness and stuff like that is that it synergizes into your life and benefits all of it instead of mixing out chunks to make time for it. It doesn't make sense that way. Yep. Absolutely. Those are some pretty good red flags. Yeah. I think we've covered, we've covered all the red flags. So I think, you know, the big picture is CrossFit is accessible and scalable. Mm-hmm. We are excited about the idea that the games has maybe shown a light on it again to a whole new audience of people and that we may be seeing more people in. It is intimidating. It was intimidating when I walked in the door. And I think what we hope to give you guys is maybe just a little bit of insight as to what is on the other side of the door. The hardest mm-hmm. part is walking through. I think you will find in most gyms, most CrossFit boxes, um, just a complete culture of care and coaches who are truly invested in changing your lives. They all look different. It's about finding the one that, you know, is right for you. It's about finding your tribe. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Like it's gotta, it's gotta have that support system. It's gotta have that, that extra bit. And um, that can be, you know, support system coming from the coach boy, is it pretty special when it comes from a coach and a group of individuals that all came at it from very different walks of life, very different experience levels, but everybody's there under this one watchful eye because everybody wants to just focus on that little bit of betterment that day, that little bit of moving the needle forward for themselves. And that's all it's for is just for themselves. I want to get better. I think, Um, I think, you know, we all become pretty invested in each other's successes too. I think that's that's the difference in CrossFit. You can go to any gym and focus on yourself and have an hour where you are entirely committed to your own goals. It's different when those goals become bigger because they have been magnified and multiplied by a community that shares those visions and shares those values. And if you want a profound example of that, watch any event at the games where there was a straggler falling behind in a heat and watch how big of a cheer that individual gets when they cross the finish line. Like you see it all the time in CrossFit, the person who finishes the task or the whatever challenge last gets the biggest uproar. And it's because it's not in essence, it's of the sport. It is them against the other individuals and there will be a winner, but it's more about the, effort of human fitness that they are celebrating and to even finish on some of those things at the games is a huge thing where nobody nobody's mad about somebody finishing it first or anything like that everybody gets up and behind the person who is just trying to finish because they know how hard that is there's some scale and some relatability to how difficult that is and i've never met that games athlete but i will I 10 times out of 10, I will be ecstatic every time somebody crosses that finish line and looks like they just went through the ringer because I know what that feels like. It's rough, but it's so rewarding to get it done. And everybody else understands that. I have, I have yet to walk into a gym. I've yet to walk into a CrossFit gym where effort wasn't celebrated over any other thing. Yeah. Yeah. So even though it's scary, even though it's intimidating, even though like it's every, every workout is going to feel tough and like you could have done it better or that you're worried people are watching you. Just remember that like everybody is there to celebrate your effort. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And especially the coach. Especially the coach. So that real-time strategy, find a gym, coach, or training studio that has the most authentic reviews. Look into the details, look into the, the areas where the coach considered in someone's life to help make them a change. That's big. Uh, working with them and their limitations, as well as helping them feel capable through a challenge and not just high energy, not just trying to beat you up with a good good workout. Like it's a relationship, it's a connection, it's effective communication. Those things should be at the top of it. Anybody can put you through a workout that put, makes you sweaty and feels exhausted. That's not the challenge. The challenge is to get you to want to integrate these things on a habit forming basis because it is a big change. But like to build that that want, that desire inside of you, that's a special relationship. Absolutely. Cool. I know we covered we covered everything we wanted to say. We hope you guys have gotten a lot out of this and we already have probably 15 more topics we're excited to talk about next. I think the next one for anybody curious is setting realistic, time-oriented, and actionable goals. I'm always a fan of goal setting, um, but man, the goal setting session or the goal setting rubric that people use, it's amazing how once you set it, so many people just, it just falls flat. Like, I feel like it's like they make a big, big example out of it. And then out of nowhere, it's just like loses all steam as yep. soon as like adversities hit or too much time is hit. So that's something I'm actually really looking forward to because that's some research that I've been looking into recently, if anything has changed. And I have some some fun stuff on that from the positive I'm psychology excited. realm. So, so excited. All okay. right, well, close it out. How am I closing it out? I don't know. Do we just say? say goodbye? We just say goodbye. Uh, we say thanks for listening because it's yes. been about 40 some odd minutes of listening to us talk. I hope that anybody listening to this who took their time, first of all, thank you for your time. Uh, second of all, I hope at minimum you've learned something and at maximum this spurs some form of a change in your pursuit of better fitness, better wellness, better nutrition to where sometime this week you take action on it. And if not, there'll be an upper, another episode to try to make it happen. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Stay positively jacked.